Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Cloud9 Podcast with my friend and guest, Lauren Bailey, CEO of Factor 8. Hello, my friend. Welcome. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, Lauren, before I get started, I always like to ask my guests maybe for a little random fact about themselves um, that nobody could tell from their LinkedIn profile or Googling. I know you have a lot of stories because me and you are from the same cloth and we both can go on forever. Uh, right. So you know this one's going to be about travel. Um, my, I had the opportunity to dive the Great Barrier Reef, and that is where my husband proposed. That's amazing. Underwater? No. Uh, that would have been like hand signals. Yeah. Uh, no, we had this gorgeous eco resort with this private kind of natural beach, and we went down to have a jog on the beach and drink a beer at sunset. And uh, after the jog, he proposed, which was hilarious because he left the ring in the bag on the bench. If, right. it was a, if it was a weaker proposal, would you have not said yes? Was it the location and the timing that we were like, fine, no, I'll do it? No, in fact, uh, I knew that he was going to do it. We were going from there to Sydney, and I knew he was going to propose. Um, there may have been some snooping involved, which means, yeah. you know, like I packed the nice dress and underwear, let's be honest. Yeah. And, and so here I am sweaty after a jog and after diving all day, and we're sitting having a beach watching the sun go down, and he asks, and, and, and my reaction was, oh, you're doing this now? So he never lets me forget that that's what I said when he asked. Did anybody catch it on camera? No, but we went back the, somebody walked down later and got a picture of us drinking our beer and happy. And then the next day we went back and took some pictures and I have that bench kind of blown up. You know, I can get a picture turned into art. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And that it's a black and white and it's in my bedroom. It's gorgeous. So Lauren, where, where did I meet you? I, I think, I, I think we met at. Oh, faster. We met at Saster. So, so at a dinner. Lauren and I met at Saster. We had a great conversation and we were just both like just having fun talking about sales. Well, and uh, somebody introduced us because frankly, they thought we were both assholes. Yeah. They were it like, was the lady these, who was with these me. Two assholes and, together. Right. And you had given her some sort of gruff kind of like direct answer. And she immediately turned to be like, let's switch seats because you two are going to love each other. Oh, I remember that. It's dinner. Yes, it was a dinner. It was a dinner with Jiminy. That, yeah. Yes, good call. I couldn't come up with the name. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember Tom Lavery's dinner. That's awesome. Yes. And then I was like, wait a second. I have a large BPO team. You have trained BPOs before. And, and it, was a match, it was a, a match made in heaven. So I, I've had the opportunity to um, host Lauren in Medellin. Um, My was, first trip to Colombia, yes. which I was super excited about. And we had a good time. It was, it was the, the, the team had a good time. Um, Lauren had a good time. We, were, we had some good dinners. Um, I tried getting Lauren to go on a hike. It wasn't happening. No, no, no. no. But we did drink beer and smoke cigarettes. We, we did drink beer and smoke cigarettes. There were cigarettes? Cigarettes. <laughs> um, Hey, before we start this podcast, Lauren asked me, she goes, can I curse on the podcast? And I said, fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> and then she told me that she lost a customer for, for cursing. And I said, yeah. you know, I have too. Um, but I guess people can be sensitive these days, right? Um, well, you have to know your culture fit. Like we even put, we talk about drinking beer on our website. So like, you got to know what you're getting, right? So I've got to tell you this story. One of the videos that I have out is talking about building confidence in sales and how when you're doing your first intro, right, they can tell if you are scared and you sound like a wussy, right? Your intro sounds like a question. Hi, this is Lauren. And so we have this technique where the rest of training, we make them say, damn it, after their name, every time they do a role play, right? Hi, this is Lauren calling Factor 8, damn it. 
And, and then by the end, they can drop the damage. So anyway, I'm, I'm doing this video about it. It's my, like everyone's favorite video. My name is Lauren Dammit. And they saw the video and counted the Dammits. And, and came back and they were like, mm, no, she's a horrible person. She's going straight to hell. We don't want to work with you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I agree with them, but. <laughs> Probably her. fair on, on at least two out of three points. Yeah, I told you my story. I had signed a contract. Um, with a company. I was on the customer success onboarding call. Um, this was a, a database company and I was going to become a big client of theirs. The contract was 30 grand to begin with and I had a uh, pilot for 3k for the first month and something changed. Like there was, a, there was a lot of negotiation at the beginning with like downloads for leads and views um, and I signed up for unlimited views, $5,000 for the first month. And then when I got on the CX call, they were like, well, you have 5,000 views. And I was like, I was like, fuck that shit. Excuse my language. This guy's always changing things. Yeah, um, yeah, I got angry, and then the sex guy was like, "You can't curse. Cursing is really inappropriate." Um, you know, like gave me a lesson in front of my team, and then I kept my mouth quiet the whole call. And I'm, I'm furious in my mind. I'm like, "Does this guy realize that it's You're COVID?" Quietly assassinated. I got 210 yeah. people. I don't want to fire a single person. Right? <laughs> I'm busting my balls every day to make sure that 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 we don't have to do that. And you're going to give me crap about cursing, right? In the business world. So at the end of the call, I let him have it, right? And then um, I get an email from the CEO being like, your contract's terminated. And I wrote back and I was like laughing. I was like, dude, this is exactly what I expected from you. Like, and, and your sensitivity cost you some money and a good partner. Like, you don't need to like me to take my money. Sorry to tell you, right? Like, you don't want to talk to me? Don't, don't speak to me. Like, my money's the same in your bank account, right? And they lost a, a potential big client because they were a little bit sensitive. Um, but if you don't change... The terms of the agreement, I'm not going to curse, right? Yeah, so, it's true. It's true. We don't just yeah. do it for fun. Although sometimes I What's do worse, the cursing or actually changing the agreement? I yeah, think. I got to okay. go with you on that one. I know. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. But that's, so for those, you kind of have to decide who you are and what's your culture. And there's a fit for it and there's a not a fit for it, right? I like straightforward, non-bullshit. Yeah, right? which is why we like each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, question for you. Yeah. A long way in your career, right? Um, you've also opened up the girls club, which we can see in the back of your, yes. of your camera, right? Of my Uber branded background. All about women in sales, right? Yeah. yeah. What was it like becoming a dominant powerhouse woman who just closed business left and right? And it went on to, you know, teach people how to sell and create a community for women close. Like, where did this start? Oh where my did God. It, what's the beginning? Yeah. Um, I have to tell you that it, it started probably because I didn't feel like a dominant woman in sales, right? In my sales background, I, in, in my personal background, I lacked confidence and I got results and I got numbers, but you know, I, I felt like I wasn't part of the club and I felt like I'd never be part of the inner circle or I was frustrated with my boss and feelings that a lot of us have, when, especially when you're coming up. I quickly pivoted to management but once again, felt really alone, right? Because then I was the only woman. And if there were other women, you know, most of them, frankly, were competitive bitches. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Competition is real between you guys. Yeah. Anyway, so I just, like, I felt alone and I felt unprepared to, to really rise and do what I needed to. And I didn't have any female mentors or role models. And I didn't actually think I was missing anything, right? Like, I was raised in technology call centers. Mm -hmm. it, like I'm a trucker. That's why I like, it was like being raised by a pack of wolves and, and it worked for me. I've just always been one of the guys. And it wasn't until I hit, um, 
a few years in business ownership and I was invited to a women's entrepreneur group where everybody actually helped each other, even though some of us competed with each other. And I was like, whoa, this feels really different. But we, uh, we need more of this in the world. That's, that's where it all started. Yeah, that's, those are the kind of the forces that came together. But the, tr the two fast triggers were this. One, I was asked to speak on like my sixth panel of why there aren't more women in sales. And I just get so sick of the same conversation, right? And it's like, could we stop talking about it and just try to do something about it? Um, and then two, right around that same time, I read the uh, HP study published in Forbes. Uh, it's called The Confidence Gap. And it says a man will apply for a position if he feels like he's got about 60% of the qualifications and a woman will wait until she has 100%. And I was like, I get it, I've seen that. I've been that, I can solve for that. It's yeah. confidence, it's community. I'll apply when I have like 5% chance of getting it. Say it again. I'll apply if I have 5% chance. Yeah, it's so funny, as I share that statistic, people say that, they're like, whatever, dudes are more like 20% and women are more like 150%. Yeah. And I see it all the time. I have companies now asking me to help curate female leadership. Like they're trying to do something about it, but there aren't enough women applying, right? This is on us. Uh -huh. and, and I will advertise positions. I'll go ask people to send resumes and they'll wait and wait and wait. And then it's closed. It just drives me crazy. It drives me crazy as well. Question for you. Um, do you feel like you've been making a difference? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, that's a great question. And thank you for asking that softball question. I got to share these stats. So we're just finishing up uh, the second generation of Girls Club. So it's a cohort training program, six months long. Um, and half of the people are usually aspiring managers. The other half are new managers. So like I was back then looking for the support. So we track the promotion rate of the aspiring managers. And in both cohort one and two, over 75% have been promoted before the end of the program. So that's a huge success. Yeah, we're really excited about that. So tell me, another curveball question for you. We all never, everybody talks about how we got to our best place in sales, but what was your, what was your biggest, like your most memorable failure in sales? I want to talk about your failures though. Oh, what God. was your, what was the time where you just like, you just dropped it? Did you blow it? Yeah. Oh, that's, there's, there are plenty to choose from. Um, I think I'm going to go with something that's more recent. So this is in um, factor eight world and it's more of a leadership than a sales blow, if mm -hmm. you will. While I was, that's awkward. While I was starting girls club, I took my eye off the factor eight ball. Right. I had a guy in that I trusted. I worked with for a long time yeah. and just sort of assumed that he didn't need the leadership. He didn't need the inspection. I pushed pipeline meetings. I wasn't watching the numbers. I wasn't giving him direction. And, you know, it was a slow and steady decline. And I didn't catch it until it was almost too late. Oof. Massive fail. Um, that no matter what, you've got to have the rigor and the support and to keep your eyes on the numbers. Uh, and I also learned that I needed a different type of leader there, right? I needed somebody with more strategy. Uh, I did a similar one, um, not too far apart from that. You asked for one, but guess what? Now it's going to be all about failures. Okay. Um, we launched our online portion of Factory called the Sales Bar. Ton of fun. And I spent all my time building the product and not my time investigating how do I integrate it into the sales effort. 
And I wound up with like two separate pipelines and disparate deals. And I just didn't spend the time to dig into the strategy enough to talk about how we're going to wrap it into deals to help with the messaging around the deals. I, I tend to be, you know, um, strategic, oh, what am I thinking? Situational leadership, right? Mm -hmm. I'm really good when somebody's brand new and they need me all over it. And when somebody's way on the other side, Uber leader can handle it themselves. But those middle sections where I need to do part of the strategy and part of the coaching and um, that's a, a weak spot for me. I fell there again. Same I, 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 I fell there as well, right? And I think really? that was from the train. Well, I think so. I don't even know, right? I think like leading leaders is a whole different ballpark, right? Um, and I think we tend to hire people that are like us and, and not maybe compliment us. So we're, we're not, we don't hire for the gaps sometimes. Um, this is a whole area that I, I have to learn. It's uh, fair. Yeah, I've done that plenty. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm getting better at that for sure now. So, so regarding uh, factor eight, so you guys, you guys provide, you know, training, you know, virtually on site. Yeah. Uh, what do you find like the best channel for you guys to open up business? Is it, is it, I, I know that you win all the awards at AISP, how do you pronounce it? AISP, yeah. Um, and I know that you have really, really amazing networking skills, but are you finding um, other channels to be successful? Well, especially in recent times when COVID had a lot of people needing to pivot, right? So our ideal customer persona, 99% of the time is a VP of sales, mm -hmm. right? And then they come to us because a couple things happen. One, they need to grow more quickly and they've got to scale. So would they need help working with their managers? Two, they've had some sort of pivot right? Like I need to uh, penetrate a new market. I have a BHAG kind of goal that's come up, right? I need a behavior change mm -hmm. that's happening, right? Or three, um, they've gotten the reporting in and they've they spent some time with their tools and they look at it and say, wait a minute, we can do better. It's not about throwing bodies at it anymore. Now I need higher results per person. So we've worked a lot in tech and SaaS but I, the places I love the most are the industries that are new to virtual selling. So right now that pivot means traditionally field-based teams, people like pharmaceutical, insurance, finance, right? Those folks are used to face-to-face -to -face uh -huh. and now they have to go virtual. Um, the other ones that are my favorites are when we're working with people in like manufacturing and distribution. They don't necessarily have the deep business and sales backgrounds, right? They've got great product knowledge. And when we can fuel that with a few techniques about how to actually get people and keep people on the phones and close deals that, I mean, that's where we get double, triple digit results. And those are fun. That's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. think those industries, you find that the, that the hardest industries are the sales, marketing, technology, the AI, everyone's like, they're reading every blog, they know everything. The, the other industries that are a little bit further away, they're fresher. They're just, They've got, they don't pick up a phone, they don't email, they don't, they're just like, who's, who's calling me, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I got to turn that question around to you, right? Like, who do you get the most success with when they outsource sales to you? So, so I would say companies that have product market fit, right? Because that's what BPO is really about, right? A BPO is really about like, we got a process, we got something, we're, we're going to scale it. We know our numbers, we know our math of business. We're going to put competition between you know, everybody we hire, whether it's a BPO internal, doesn't matter. We just know the math of our business. Yeah. Um, nice. And, and fast growing organizations that are just, you know, have way too much inbound, um, I would say inquiries and aren't following up with old leads. Then also we do the best transformations. 
I would say that when companies don't have a process, you know, we're, we're definitely building and training all these amazing strategies and processes, but they're less likely to look at it because they're just funded by VCs and just care about money. Um, and they don't care about really like the cost of what it takes to build these programs. But right. we were able to do both and get better results faster, like in, in industrial and medical and just different industries where like nobody's calling, yeah. nobody's going in, right? Like, yeah, I had a feeling it'd be similar. Yeah, because like we're, we'll, there's a lot of like great, like there's 8,000 sales and marketing technology companies out there, right? And like they're all trying to sell their sales and marketing technology, the VPs of sales who are getting bought and sold things every day. And like right. that to do outbound, like they don't necessarily have the technology to measure because outbound can turn to inbound, right? Like if I call you, oh, and sure. you go yeah. to my website, you'll download. Like they, they can't measure that. So they're just like, you failed, but you know you didn't, right? Um, so I would say Series B, product market fit, profitable companies, and then different industries that aren't um, sales and marketing technology. So those are really, everyone's, look at outreach, right? And sales a lot, they're just buying this tech and they're just like selling to each other the same message, right? You need more leads. Like every time I talk to somebody, they're like, you know, Mir, how many times do you think I heard somebody in lead gen or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know, but how many times did the actual CEO pick up the phone and call you and have 210 employees, you know, like, which is always why. part of your differentiator. I mean, yeah, that's why they listen. They're like, they're like, you know, I'm like, yeah, like every sales rep is, you know, going to do the same thing, but some are better than others. And every company, I think there'd be a 10,000 companies do the same thing and some are better than others. Right. 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 Um, but it creates so much, there's so much noise right now in sales and marketing technology. I, I think it's just a crazy space to be in. It um, is crazy right now. I think that there's this, you know, this, it, it, the, the SaaS part of the world, right? This funded, be the one out of 10 that has explosive growth pressure, right? So you can carry the other nine. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's unrealistic and it's just, it makes people a little bit crazy. Like let's just do blind blanket, throw it at the wall, machine gun it at the wall approach to see what sticks. My, my whole opinion too, like you, you asked me like what our product, where we have better product market fit. And then I went into answering that and then blending it into a problem that I saw, cause that's what I do. But I think that companies, these sales and marketing companies should be creating partnerships with organizations like yours right away to help people actually use the products because it's backwards selling somebody a gong or a chorus that doesn't have any coaching talent, right? Like oh, awesome. Yeah. You can coach, and record a call, but you have no infrastructure for coaching and recording, right? You don't know what to do with it. In fact, it's awesome. the number one worst skill for sales managers. Yeah. You can buy a data provider and, and an outreach tool, but you have no data scientists and nobody's good, especially so like people are lacking, I think, professional services. Um, and they're so important. Everyone's like, I want to hire internal. What is the difference anymore, right? Like we're all remote, right? It's like you either get it done or not. And I think this should have a big opportunity. I think a lot of um, these companies should be partnering really strong with, with, you know, coaching consulting companies like yours that can, can help actual users use these tools. But it's hard because what they're doing is they're like trying to create value for a budget of 25K. But then they're forgetting that the company needs another 25K in personal services. For minimum. implementation. Right? For so they don't want to say that because they want to get to the sale. Right. Of course, but so here's the thing. saying that they're getting high churn. And there you go. I think one of the other reasons it happens is that I find that people buy conversation intelligence tools, not for the actual let's improve the skills and the interactions. They do it for the data, right? Your top decision maker is doing it so that they can do a keyword search on this or that, not because 
they think that by arming their managers with the data plus skills, they can shift the needle 20%, right? Not because they're looking at rep turnover and those costs when they're not getting the coaching. Uh, they're, they're buying the, the, the shiny features and they're not actually analyzing the actual issue that they're trying to fix. The use therein. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And by the way, all of the competitors in that space are doing a better job with reporting and trend reporting. It's something I've been waiting for for years. In fact, I was talking to your team about it because you guys built a homegrown product to do it, which is just part of how amazing your leadership is there at CloudTask. But um, here's the issue. Like you can do a keyword search and pull a ton of trends, right? You can look at call volumes. You can look at talk to listen ratios. All of those are built in. But if I'm a manager, what I'm missing is how is my rep improving over time? What are the top and bottom three skills across my team? Like when you do that, you turn this subjective data that is call quality, which be clear is your customer experience, right? And you turn it into objective data that you can use on scorecards and KPIs, oh, yeah. And, yeah. right? All of that stuff. And it's like, there's this line between, oh, well, here's my metrics and here's the how, right? And that, that it has the power, those intelligence tools has the power to blend those and give a better, clearer picture and enable right? Higher quality calls and better rep engagement. And I think call coaching can be a silver bullet, but 90% of the time it's not shot out of the right gun, if you will. No. And it's, and it's, it's also gotta be like, you have to start with calling the right people, right? Like, like people forget, like you can do all these things, but if it's out of order, there's an order to things, right? Yes. And like you find investments that are, they're out of order, right? They're yes. like, I'm going to invest here, but like I didn't fix here. But you know? I didn't think so here's another one for you. I've got a couple out of order examples. Another one is this when you're just starting to say, okay, my team is big enough and I'm serious enough to invest and I'm going to do training. Start with your managers. Nine times out of 10, we start with the reps and we start with our new hire reps because we realize the cost to recruit them and the high churn rate. Yeah. And it's totally normal. And that's where I started when I ran training divisions, but we see much better success when you start with the managers first, they didn't get trained how to do their job they need to buy in. They need to learn how to develop and work with their reps. These are all new skills to managers, right? So oh, you got to yeah. work with them first to get at the stick. Here's another one, process before tool. How often do you see people buy the tool and then, oh wait, I've got a shitty sales process. I'm trying to- All the time. Every single all time, times. right? And in fact, I go process and- Let me, let me ask you this. And how many emails do you think responses, positive responses to emails have gone missed? I bet you 3 billion in revenue. Everyone's oh, yeah. so focused on getting the message out there yeah. that I know for a fact that your SDR missed one email that could have been your biggest deal. Lauren, Lauren Bailey finally responds, you know what, this product is cool. Let's book a time. And then they Oops. just don't even respond to it. Right, right, right. Okay, how about this one? There's a stat that I got, I think it was from um, Exant that says 30% of your leads are never even contacted at all. Uh, right. Over 50% of reps are not leaving voicemails, which sure it's tough to get a call back, but one, get fucking get better at it. Right. Like you can triple and quintuple it's, the rate. And, and two, like you're missing a branding opportunity. It's like buying a billboard and leaving it blank. The, the, the interesting part, what I get excited. So like, even like, like when I talk for class, I said, we're far from perfect, right? Like the furthest thing, like I am pulling levers and I'm giving my guys what they need, but it's amazing being, at a high level and being able to produce where you have like that much room for improvement and you're just investing in that improvement. And I'm 
you know, I don't talk about our growth platform we're building off and I'm not going to plug it in here, but like, I'm just, oh, I've, been, I've been a heavy user of yeah. every single sale. I'm like a Yelp. I've been called the Yelp of software by other software CEOs. Oh, seriously? Yes. Um, yeah, it was one of my buddies. Uh -huh. like, you're, you know, cause they just, they come to me, um, cause I've used it all. You so have. I'm seeing those gaps. I'm just trying to like put it together. You know, it's one of those things where like people have come up with amazing ideas and you just can build upon how it should flow together and really improve the process. And it's, it's like, well, I can see where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm just trying to you know, like, achieve the business goals. Right. Cause what's beautiful about you is that you play really well in strategy and really well in tactics. Right. Like you must have a clone because you're at all levels of your organization and everybody knows you. I'll get, I do hand to hand combat and I will plan the nuclear strike. Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. Right. And that's a one hell of a talent. After this but call. I'm that means that, by the way, we trust what you say about the, the software, right? Cause you've used it and you've decided how you are going to use it strategically. Yeah. And, and then you find what you find with technology is that there's, there's, you're going to find thousands of people that will, push the buttons, but you're going to find very few people that have the, the uh, willingness to execute it. And it goes back to what you said about like being a hundred percent, right. Right. Um, like I'm not going to apply for that job until I know hundred percent. You, you have a lot of inaction because people are afraid to run those tests because we weren't set up in the culture of failure is success. Right. I know that failure is success. When I burn some domains and I mess up and I get people cursing at me, blah, 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 blah. Like I'm getting one step closer to getting success. But people, they're so, they're so scared to F it up, right? Yeah. Like yeah. We live in a culture where like once you get a job, like it's hard to get fired, right? And like they're hiding behind that. There's, there's, yes. there's, a, there's a, um, a reward structure for doing the bare minimum in our culture, right? Which like, is sad, right? Are, right? Like I had, I, I talk about it. I had, um, my CEO, my, my sales manager, Grant McGrail from NetSuite, I'm like, I pissed him the off by trying to be innovative, right? They were like, the templates are already written, just send the templates. And I'm like, you're paying me really good money to send these templates. And like, had I just sent their templates and follow their rules, no problem. But like trying to innovate, trying to do, trying to push things was like a problem, right? Yes. Um, well, and different companies are, are, are different in, right? In, in what they'll tolerate. But the culture right. you get is not the one that you plan for. It's, it's what, it's behavior you tolerate. Not my quote, and I messed it up. Somebody else, I have to, that you have to research that and stick it in notes somewhere. It's been said somewhere else, and I really found this book, can't remember who did it. But that's the truth, which is why I super love that that was your first question. I've never been asked that. Like, what's your biggest failure? Yeah. Um, and and I'll tell you, that. the very, very favorite thing, it's hard to say that. There's a lot of favorites in Girls Club, but one of the assets that we do in there is called Rise Up on Record. And we get amazing women in sales that are thought leaders, role models, mentors for us. And they do a confessional, right? I do one every single month. It's usually at three o'clock in the morning in my bathrobe. And the whole idea for Rise Up on Record is a fear, a failure, or a fuck up. And they just cop to it and talk about what happened and what they learned and what they screwed up and why. And what it does is help quash perfectionism, which is one of the biggest reasons we sit on our hands and wait for the hundred percent. Right? So we try to role model risk-taking and risks come with failure. So let's celebrate them. Let's fail faster. Right. And let's talk about it. So love, love, love that you asked that question. Yeah. I don't know, Laura, we could, we could go on forever. Um, oh God, I have to pull call. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to end this so that I can hit the phone. Yeah. Cause I, I, whenever I talk to you, I get excited about selling.
Um, <laughs> that makes me happy. That's yeah, good. I got, and you're I got, great I, at it. I got motivated um, to do some top of the funnel work. But this is great. So for anybody who wants to learn more about the Girls Club, any, any, um, you know, any powerful future leaders that are women, it's only women? Are you only accepting women through Girls Club? Isn't that awful? Can I join? So rude. You can and be a mentor for us. Okay. We have male okay. mentors. We have male advocates. We have male allies. We've got male sponsors. But for the protégés, who are the women who learn, and our thought leaders, who are- I don't want to be a mentor. I definitely don't want to sponsor. I'm, I'm afraid of sponsoring. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, hey, fail fast. No. I'm just joking. No, that's uh, great. No, we have tons of male mentors. In fact, we're about to award our male allies of the year for this generation. I want in. Um, for anybody who wants to reach out to you, anybody who wants to yeah. just ask you about your failures and, 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 have, um, and just talk about um, your journey and learn from you, how can they reach you? Where can they find you? Yeah, you got it. So Girls Club, I'm going to tell you first, don't go to girlsclub.com at work. You will get in trouble. Go to wearegirlsclub.com. Very different sites. Be clear. Okay. And you can get me at lb at factor8.com. Laura, amazing as always. Pleasure having you on the Cloud9 podcast. Um, thank it's you again for tuning in and thanks everybody for listening. Um, to Lauren Bailey. Great thanks, Amir. Talk soon, Lauren. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.